0: After the attack on Pearl Harbor in 1941, the United States became part of the largest war in human history, and it was not ready for that. When Pearl Harbor was attacked, the United States military had about 2.2 million standing military personnel, but by the end of the war, some 16 million Americans would be called to serve. Every aspect of American life would be reshaped by the war, from the rationing of food and supplies to the type of art they made a great deal of which was refocused on a patriotic purpose. While mostly men fought overseas, the government would have to attract women to jobs that were perilous, rough, underpaid, and as it would turn out, temporary. The Women's Advisory Committee, assembled by the War Manpower Commission, needed to get over two million women employed in the war effort and quickly. The artistic work created as a result would ultimately recruit over 3 million women and develop one of the most important icons of the feminist movement, Rosie the Riveter. And as with so many other revolutions, it all started with a song. This is 1,000 Words, written and produced by Michael DeWatley, a podcast dedicated to examining the world that art has made. Shan, she's a part of the assembly line. She's making history working for Victory Rosie. keeps a sharp lookout out with sitting up there on the fuselage latch. That little girl can do more than no man can do, Rosie. The The target demographic of the Women's Advisory Committee was middle-class, married white women, most of whom had never worked outside of the home. Many, if not most, working-class women and women of color were already working, and so the committee labeled those folks easier to recruit. Instead, the committee wanted to develop material that showed the targeted type—young, middle-class, and white. It's worth noting here that Riveters work with a partner. couldn't rivet anything by yourself. One woman shoots the rivets through the pieces of metal, while her partner uses something called a bucking bar on the other side to press the rivets flat. These teams were often made up of one white woman and one woman of color, so when you see images of Rosie the Riveter, you can know that literally behind her is a woman of color smoothing everything out. Rosie the Riveter as a character first came into being with the 1942 release of the song that you're hearing right now, written by Red Evans and John Jacob Loeb, performed and made famous by the four vagabonds. It's catchy and people loved it, including Norman Rockwell. The famous illustrator published his take on the Rosie the Riveter character in the Memorial Day issue of the Saturday Evening Post, which sold over 4 million copies. Rosie, 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 the Riveter. On the assembly The following year, a B-grade Hollywood romantic comedy, titled Rosie the Riveter, was released in theaters. Meanwhile, and completely separately, an illustrator named J. Howard Miller was commissioned by Westinghouse Electric's Internal War Production Coordinating Committee to create a series of 42 posters to help raise worker morale and lower the likelihood of labor unrest or a factory strike. Some of these posters still exist and most of them emphasize traditional gender roles and were designed specifically to manipulate and harness the energy of Westinghouse employees. Each poster would be put up in a factory for two weeks before being taken down. One of these posters, released in February of 1943, features a brunette white woman with a red polka dot bandana blue collared shirt and a yellow background with the words we can do it printed along the top and I'm guessing that when you heard this story was about Rosie the Riveter that was the image that popped into your head but at the time Miller created that poster it had nothing to do with Rosie The We and We Can Do It stood for Westinghouse Electric, and the woman in the poster would have been making helmet liners out of micarta resin, not riveting metal. The only real audience that poster enjoyed during the war years were the workers in those Westinghouse factories. Now skip forward 40 years, and by 1982, Rockwell's Rosie had fallen from the popular imagination because his estate's fierce defense of his copyright had made it difficult to share the image widely, and at the same time the Washington Post ran a story about propaganda campaigns that featured the We Can Do It poster. It struck a strong chord with the feminist movement of the 1980s and reawakened the public's passion with Rosie the Riveter. That passion continues to today. Rosie the Riveter is an icon every bit as complex, convoluted, and retconned as any comic book character. There are at least eight women who have some claim to be the inspiration for some leg of Rosie's journey. Some people think the song was based on Rosina Rosie Bonavita, who worked for Convair in San Diego. Others think the song was inspired by Rosalind P. Walter, who worked the night shift for Corsair making fighter planes. Or Veronica Foster, who was Canada's poster girl for women in the war effort, more popularly known as Ronnie the Brin Gun Girl. There's Mary Doyle Keefe, who worked as a telephone operator and sat for Norman Rockwell's painting, or Rose Will Monroe, who was a riveter at the Willow Run Aircraft Factory in Michigan building B-24 bombers. She starred in a promotional film about the war effort in 1944. Or Naomi Parker, whose photo may have been the inspiration for the poster made by J. Howard Miller. There's Geraldine Hoff-Doyle, who worked at the same factory as a riveter, who thought the photo of Naomi was actually of her, and who thought she was the real inspiration for the We Can Do It poster until the day she died. Or Rose Hickey, who drove in a record number of rivets into the wing of a TBM Avenger at a plant in Terrytown, New York. The images, the films, the song, and oh yes, that strange period in 1985 to 1986 where Rosie was in fact a literal comic book supervillain, you heard me correctly, supervillain, are all part of something powerful and empowering. There is a Rosie Stamp, a Rosie Women's Hockey Team, and a Tackle Football Team, the Rosie the Riveter Homefront National Historic Park in Richmond, California, coffee mugs, hats, shirts, Halloween costumes, and a four foot by five foot replica of the poster made by Kristen Cummings constructed entirely out of jelly belly candies. The image has been used by campaigns working to elect Sarah Palin, Ron Paul, and Hillary Clinton. There is a Rosie Trust that does research and collects women's wartime stories, provides jobs training for young women, and hosts conventions and reunions for the women who worked dirty, hard, and sometimes thankless jobs during the war. There is a bill right now called Rosie the Riveter Congressional Gold Medal Act of 2019 that proposes giving a Congressional Gold Medal collectively to women who joined the workforce during World War II, which would be displayed in the National Museum of American History. Because ultimately, Rosie the Riveter was a song and an image and a movie and a comic book character and most importantly, real, breathing women who did things they didn't know were possible. She is all of them and more than the sum of their stories. She's making history, working for victory. Rosie the Riveter. long where the rain has She's a part of the assembly line. She's making history, working for victory. Rosie, the keeps a sharp lookout for sabotage. Sitting up there on the fuselage. This has been 1,000 Words. If you like what you heard, please do me a favor and like, subscribe, and review this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Believe me, it does a tremendous amount of good for the show. This podcast comes to you from the weird and wonderful city of Austin, Texas. Music from this podcast came from purpleplanet.com. Thanks for listening.